welcome to Riverside. So glad all of you are here today. You're in the house today. Thank you for being here. For those of you who it's your first time here, we're so grateful that you've chosen to be here today and to worship together with us on this Easter Sunday. This is the day that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the grave. And today we want to remember that. We want to celebrate that. But I want to begin with this. I want you to know today, and maybe no one's told you this lately, but I want you to know today that this is true, that you are loved. You are loved. That's, that's the message of Easter. That's it. God loved you so much. You are loved. And today we want to, we want to remember, we want to celebrate the fact that we worship a risen Savior. And I'm so grateful that today we can gather and we can do that here in this place. But before we begin, I do want to go ahead and tell you what's coming up next week. So next week here at Riverside, we're beginning a new series called It's Just a Phase, so don't miss it. Now I know you may be thinking, what is this series about? This series is going to be all about family and parenting and grandparenting and raising the next generation to know God and love God and serve God. And, and you probably know this already without even knowing this or without even thinking about this. You know this is true. But our kids go through all kinds of phases. Some of those are harder than others, but you know, they go through these different phases of life. And it's our desire to help our kids navigate those phases. And even as parents and as families and as a spiritual adults to leverage those phases, leverage those moments in their lives to help them be able to, to know Jesus on a deeper level. And so I'm excited about this and if you're if you're a mom if you're a dad if you're a grandparent if you're someone who cares for kids in any way uh, I really want to invite you to come back and be a part of this series beginning next week if you're thinking man I don't have kids or my kids are grown or I'm single or I don't know if this thing is going to be for me at all I want to I want to challenge that thought and I want to invite you to be here anyway and here's why because you know like I know especially if you're a part of this church the church is 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 more than something we do once a week on a Sunday that's not what church is right what this church is, especially this church, is a family. We are a faith family. And everyone in the room, every, every adult in the room, you have a part to play. God has given you a part to play in the spiritual growth, the spiritual formation, the lives of our children. That's what it means to be a part of a faith family. And so I'm excited to see what this is going to mean for us as a church, as a faith family, to think about how we can leverage the different phases of our kids' lives to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus, to know him, to love him, and to serve him with their lives. It's just a phase, but we don't want to miss it. That's next week. Today, though, we want to bring this series that we've been calling God is for us to an end. But here's what I don't want to do. I don't want this idea that God really is for us. I don't want that to come to an end in you or in us. I want you to know that you know that you know from this point forward for the rest of your life that this is absolutely true. That God really is for you. Every week we've, we've, said, we've said this. I want, to say, I want to begin with this today. I want to say it again today because I believe this is true. That every testimony, it comes from adversity where God had the opportunity to prove that he really is for us. Some of you know this is true because you've lived through some adversity in your life and you have a story to tell. Maybe you didn't know it then, but, but now, now, now that there's been some time, now that there's been some distance between whatever it was you went through, whatever pain, whatever problem, whatever suffering, whatever heartache, whatever heartbreak, now you know looking back, you're able to see that was a time in your life 
when God was carrying you, when he was with you, when he was for you. I don't know about you, but I've been reading and I've been rereading the stories that you guys have been writing and sharing. Over the last seven weeks, some of you may not know this, I'll tell you, but over the last seven weeks, we've been asking people to to write down stories, times in their lives where maybe they couldn't see it then, but now they know. That was a time in their life where God was, was walking with them, was carrying them, when he was with them, when he was for them. And as you leave today, if you want to read these, you'll see these. But on the, on the wall to the left as you exit, there's all these stories posted. There's literally hundreds of them. Stories like this. Someone wrote, I recently went through a time of stress and uncertainty. I did not have a job and had high anxiety. But God sent me friends, family, and a church family who spoke truth to me. When I needed a hug from God... They hugged me in his name. They were his presence in my life by allowing him to work through them. What a testimony. How about this one? Years ago with a young family, I suddenly lost my job. I was very, very worried about our financial future. But God was with me. Our church family was so compassionate and blessed us with support and encouragement. Since that time, I have never felt fear for that type of loss. I know from that experience, God will be with me and my family through any experience. What a testimony. During a time of uncertainty and infertility, when my faith was weak, God never left my side. I was so afraid of the future. But God was already there. What a testimony. In a period of anxiety and great heartache for someone close to me, I was covered in prayer and encouragement. My prayers were not answered the way I thought I needed. But the feeling of relief and the feeling of God saying, I got you. You are surrounded. Was overwhelming. I knew God was standing for me. What a testimony. One more. When my marriage failed, I had to raise my kids all by myself. I know God was for me. Paying rent, paying for daycare, paying the car note, buying food, buying clothes, it was all a struggle. But God kept me when I had no one and no help. Now, Looking back, I know it was God all the way. It seems like every testimony born from adversity has this but God moment. This moment where where, where things were going in a certain direction and then then God showed up, God arrived, God intervened. and, And there was this but God moment and maybe things changed. But maybe they didn't. Maybe what changed wasn't outside of you. Maybe it wasn't the circumstances around you. Maybe what changed was what was going on inside of you. But there was this but God moment. And you knew that God was with you. And God was for you. But what happens for so many of us, and some of you know this too because you've lived this story. What happens for for so many of us is we get right up to that but God moment, don't we? And then we give up before we give God a chance to show up. We're praying and we're praying and we're asking God to do what only God can do, but then we just honestly we get tired of waiting. 
God's not working fast enough. He's on his timeline and we need God to be on our timeline. And so we decide to step in ourselves and intervene ourselves. And we decide to be the, to be the answer to our own prayers. And maybe things work out, maybe they don't. The truth is we just didn't trust God in that moment to wait a little bit longer for God to do what only God could do. We, we, we know that it says that God works all things together for our good and for his glory. But, but in this moment, we're just going to go ahead and step in and we're going to do our very best to work things out for our own good. And maybe God will get some glory. Maybe not. But we get right up to the but God moment and we give up before we give God a chance to show up. And why do we do that? Because we begin to wonder we begin to wonder, don't we, if God really loves us, why are things so hard? If God is really for us, why are things going this way? If God is really with us, if God is really there, where is God? Does he see? Does he care? Does he know what's going on in our hearts, in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances? If God is there, does he care? Does he know? Is he aware of what we're going through? Sometimes we forget. We forget, we forget that that moment when we face difficulty, whatever that is for us, it's not evidence of the absence of God. It's opportunity for us to experience God's presence. I think that's why some 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul wanted to write this letter to this small group of Jesus followers living in the ancient city of Rome. He wanted them to know that this is true. He wanted them to, to be aware that in the middle of their adversity, in the middle of their story, in the middle of whatever it was they were going through, and they were going through a lot, he wanted them to know that there's always this but God moment. If they will just wait a little longer, if they'll keep trusting, if they'll keep hoping, there's going to be a moment when God steps into your story and everything begins to change. If you have your Bibles or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, I'd love to invite you to open up to Romans chapter 8. We've been walking through Romans chapter 8, this, this incredible chapter in these days leading up to Easter. And today we want to we come to the end of the chapter, Romans 8, verse 35. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can open that on your phone. You can click on more in the bottom right-hand corner. Then click on events, and you'll see Riverside pop up. And you can follow along in the notes there. Romans 8, 35. Paul asked this question. <clears throat> He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if, if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Do you hear the question? Does it mean God no longer loves us if, if some of us are living in the middle of the if? Some of us know people who are living in the middle of the if. Does it mean God no longer loves us if we're having trouble, if we're having problems, if our, if our marriage is going through a hard time? Does it mean God no longer loves us if I'm sick or if someone I love is sick, if I'm hurting, if someone I love is hurting? Does it mean God no longer loves us if I've got a prodigal son or I've got a prodigal daughter? Does it mean God no longer loves us if I'm going through an incredibly dark and difficult time and I don't even know where God is? Does it mean God no longer loves me if? And Paul right here, he's just pointing out a question that everybody's asking. 2,000 years later, we're still asking the same question. Does it mean God no longer loves me if? We wonder this, don't we? 
We wonder when we're going through a dark time, we're wondering if God is there. And if he's there, does he care? Does he see? Does he know? Does he understand what it is we're in the middle of, what it is we're going through? So many times we're living in the middle of the if. And what's worse is we've convinced ourselves that apparently there is something that can separate us from the love of God because right now in the middle of whatever it is we're going through, it feels like the love of God is a million miles away. Does it mean God no longer loves us if? And if you've ever asked that question, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian, just so you know. It means you're human. And if you've asked that question, or maybe if you're asking that question right now, I want you to hear how Paul answers this question. Does it mean he no longer loves us if? Verse 37, no, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The difficulty you face in your life, whatever it is, it's not evidence of the absence of God. It's opportunity for you to fully rely on and experience the presence of God. And what's more, at the end of that adversity, at the end of that pain, at the end of that problem, that suffering, at the end of it all, you know what's at the end of that hurt? You know what's at the end of the line for you? overwhelming victory. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves you. This isn't we just barely won the game by one point. This isn't we, we, we just barely squeaked by and passed the test. This isn't we just barely made it across the finish line. We limped our way till we finally got right there. That, that's not the story. The story is this is a landslide victory. The story is overwhelming victory. It was a no doubter. You know what? This is the message of Easter. This is the message that we have. This is the hope that we have in the valley of the shadow of death. That at the end of the line, what we have to look forward to, the hope that we have, this is the message of the cross, the empty tomb. Easter, it is overwhelming victory through Jesus who loved us. And Paul says, I am convicted, I am convinced, verse 38, that nothing, absolutely nothing. What are you going through right now? What is so hard? What is so difficult? What do you think it is right now that is separating you from God or from God's love? Paul says, I'm convinced. There's absolutely nothing. Get this. Nothing can separate us from God's love. You want to talk about death? Death can't do it. Life can't do it. Angels can't do it. Demons can't do it. Our fears about today, nor the worries we have about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell are able to separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. There is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in the very middle of the if? What do you do in the middle of the if? When you're wondering if God is really there. When you're asking the question, does God, does God really love me? Does it mean he no longer loves me if? What do you do? You remember, you remember that, that difficulty, that adversity you're going through, it's not evidence of the absence of God. No, not at all. It's opportunity for you to fully rely on and experience the presence of a God who loves you more 
than you could possibly know. And oh, by the way, there's nothing you could ever do that would make him love you less. But sometimes we forget. And listen, I know that is, that is way easier said than done. That's why today on Easter Sunday, of all days, we want to be reminded and we want to remember. That's why for the past seven weeks we've been collecting these God is for us stories. And today what we want to do is, is take a moment to be reminded and to remember how in this church we have experienced this truth that God really is for us. So I want to invite our, our worship team and our band back on stage. And in just a moment, they're going to play a song. And I would invite you to sing with them if you would like, but you are also welcome to just allow this, this song to just wash over you. And I want you to watch the screens. And on the screens, I want you to see all the ways in this church we have experienced this truth that God really is for us. I want to go ahead and tell you, though, you're not going to be able to read every word. You're not going to be able to count them all. There's too many. But I want you to see all the ways just in this church alone over the last seven weeks, how we have counted, how we have written down, how we have recorded and told the stories of how we know that we know that we know. There was a time in our life where maybe we couldn't see it then, but now looking back, we have the perspective. We can see it now that God really was with us, that God really was for us. That was a time in our life when God was carrying us. And I tell you, he's done that in a million different ways. There's stories of miracles all across this room, stories of how God has shown up at just the right time and done what only God could do. And sometimes God changed things around us, but a lot of times God is working to change things inside of us. But he's always working for our good and for his glory. So church, I want to invite you to stand. And you can remain standing if you'd like. If you want to sit, you can totally sit down. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to raise your hands, you can lift your hands. But I want you, I want you to enter into this moment and I want you to see all the ways that we know that this is true. God, He is for us. Nothing short of a miracle, I'm here. I've got some blessings that I don't deserve. I've got some scars, but that's how you learn. It's nothing short of a miracle, I'm here. I think it over and it doesn't add up. From above, I've got miracles on miracles, a million little miracles, miracles on miracles. 
million little miracles. Miracles on miracles, count your miracles. One, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles, million little miracles. Miracles on miracles. Your miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles are miracles, million little miracles. Miracles are miracles, count your miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. this is true, that God really is for us, then church, who could ever be against us? Romans 8 begins with these words, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then it ends with these words, there is no separation for us who are in Christ Jesus. It begins with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. And we know that's true because of what Jesus said himself. Jesus himself said these words, you know these words, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the story of Easter. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Jesus was betrayed into the hands of wicked men where he would be crucified. Jesus, who that night was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, praying those words that we we know so well, not my will, but yours be done. And all of a sudden he heard something and it was soldiers coming with torches to arrest him. And they were led by a man named Judas. One of Jesus' closest followers and friends for three years, he had followed him, and now he's trading his life for 30 pieces 
of silver. Jesus would be arrested and taken away. And the religious leaders, they would take him, these men who despised him, and they would literally slap him across the face as he was bound. They hated him. Jesus, he loved them. Jesus knew. He knew he would forgive them, for they did not know what they were doing. They had him carry his own cross with a crown of thorns on his head. From the city of Jerusalem all the way to outside the city gates to the hill called Calvary, Jesus would carry this cross on his bloody back. And there he would have nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And his mother, Mary, was watching there at the foot of the cross as she saw her son, as everyone saw, the Son of God crucified. And Jesus did all of this. Why? He was betrayed into the hands of wicked men and crucified. But on the third day, Church, this is the hope that we have. This is the story we believe. This is the reason why in the middle of whatever suffering we're going through, whatever cross we're carrying, we can have hope in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death that we walk through because we know how the story ends. We believe in resurrection. We believe that Jesus was the first to rise again and that one day we will all rise again and we will step into the eternal life that he offers. But I'll tell you something that most people haven't realized yet, that that eternal life that he offers, it doesn't just happen one day. The invitation of Jesus is to step into that resurrection life today. Romans 8 begins with there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8 ends with there is no separation for us who are in Christ Jesus. How do you become in Christ Jesus? Well, you accept the invitation of Jesus. Church, if you would, let's stand. And let me tell you about that invitation. This is the invitation of Jesus. And just so you know, this is not the invitation. This is not my invitation. It's not the invitation of this church. This is literally the invitation of Jesus. And this is the invitation he wants to extend to you today. That if you want to be in Christ Jesus, if you want to know what it means for there to be no condemnation for you and for there to be no separation for you, this is how you become in Christ Jesus. It's it's by accepting his invitation. His invitation to step into the new, the abundant, the different life that he has called us to. And that happens. Paul says it in Romans 6. He says it again in Romans 8. He says it all throughout this letter. It's written on every page of the gospel story. Jesus himself said it. This is how this happens. This happens in your baptism. This happens when you say yes to the one who said yes to you. This happens when you are literally, in a very literal way in baptism, buried with Christ in baptism. Buried in a watery grave. And then lifted up, resurrected to a new different and abundant life. And today, especially on Easter Sunday, we want to extend this invitation to you. 
In just a moment, I know we're going to have one baptism for sure. In just a moment, we're going to see our friend Aiden Lawson baptized into Christ. And we're going to celebrate. But I know there's others in the room who've been thinking about this. I know there's a lot of us in the room who've been praying about this. And if you're kind of on the edge, I want to encourage you to take that step today. I want to encourage you. I can't think of a better day than Easter Sunday to be resurrected with Christ in baptism. I mean, this is the day. I mean, you can do it any day, but this is like Super Bowl Sunday, right? This is the day, right? This is an amazing day to say yes to the one who said yes to you. And if you want to do that, I want to invite you to do that. These guys are going to lead us in another song, and as they do, I'm going to be in the back of the room right over here. My friend Jason, one of our ministers, is going to be in the room right over here, back of the room. And if you want to say yes to this invitation of Jesus, just come find one of us. And what does that mean? That just means that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the son of the living God, that you believe that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, and that one day he's coming again. And you're ready to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. And if that's you, come find one of us. We would love for you to step into these waters of baptism like Aiden is about to do and to say yes to Jesus. If you want to make that decision today, come find us. And if you make the decision, here's what I want you to know. That from this day forward, you will know that you know that you know that God is with you, that his spirit is living inside of you, and that God is for you. Sing.